Welcome back to Vibrant Visionaries. I'm Heidi Bennett. Today I have invited on a friend from, oh my gosh, all the way back to high school. We've known each other for quite a while and we've both done a little bit of relocating over the over the ages. And uh, we've both traveled the world and elsewhere, as they say on Spinal Tap. And uh, today we're both actually back in Cali, at least for right now, Aurelia Dondria. Thank you for inviting me. I'm stoked to be here. Yeah, I'm stoked to have you here. It's so funny, I said back to Cali and you put a stoked right in there, which is great because <laughs> I was just working on my Patreon page today, which I might mention a little bit later. And I wrote the word stoked in there and I said, yep, that's definitely me. <laughs> and, and that's a definite Californiaism. I know sometimes those words kind of pop out when I don't expect them. Yeah. Our true colors are shown. So Aurelia, I <laughs> I let you know this was coming, but uh, you're definitely a multi-creative and those are the types of folks that I have on this podcast. What is it that you would say you do? Well, first and foremost, I consider myself a writer and editor. I have a degree in journalism and my goal when I was coming out of journalism school, actually all throughout journalism school was to to leave with my degree and go travel the world and get paid for it as a travel writer. And turns out everybody wanted to do that. And there are not um, a load of jobs <laughs> fitting that ideal description. So basically, I've had to, over the years, come up with my own dream jobs and create them myself. I do have steady gigs. I have a couple of freelance clients that I work for regularly. And those are editing jobs and writing jobs that sort of pay the bills. For the creative stuff, I mean, there's creativity there, but the really creative stuff comes when I am out in the world and my brain can relax, ideas just flow in. And when the muse strikes, I follow her. And sometimes that means starting a new business or a new project like a, an event. I go where the creative muse invites me to go. So what I do for a living is is the writing and the editing part because that's what brings in the money. But my real passion lies in all of the other kind of creative things. And one of the challenges of being a creative is learning how to or developing ways to make your financial life come together with your creative life. My main client is uh, Veg News Magazine. And I have been with that magazine basically since I graduated very late with my journalism degree back in 2004, I think. So yeah, I was an older graduate. And that was my first journalism job out of school. I started out as a columnist and then the managing editor and then eventually the editorial director there before realizing that nine to five or the reality was more like nine to 10 at night. Desk job wasn't for me. But I've kept my ties with the magazine and my uh, and the publisher. She was kind enough to reach out to me with job offers over the years to do things that weren't the full-time gig, but things that I could do remotely. So we have a production cycle. Every other month, there's a like a big rush of things like rounds of edits, or this is when, uh, you know, I'm the travel and beauty editor there. So I'll have uh, stories that I'm working on kind of bi-monthly. And then I have other like smaller gigs that also bring in uh, money. I do social media mm -hmm. for some folks and 
that kind of thing. So it's a combination of gigs all cobbled together that help make ends meet. So I'm curious, Aurelia, you mentioned that becoming a journalist was sort of a later in life pursuit. How is it that you came about deciding to go back to school and become a journalist? Well, I guess it would begin with my first job that I really loved, that I just was so happy to to be working for a, a cause that I believed in. That was the San Francisco SPCA. I worked there for seven years. And I had a job that it was very creative. It was sort of kind of in a line with my personality in that every day was a little bit different. It was exciting. I got to work for a nonprofit that helped animals. And that it was very important to me. It was a job that I really worked hard to get. But over the course of those seven years, I did get little mini promotions, but I hit a ceiling where I was told by my boss, Lynn, who is a good friend of mine now, that I couldn't advance any further. I couldn't I couldn't make any more money, really. I could make a little bit more money, but I couldn't get another uh, job title. So I would remain a public information. I couldn't be a specialist. Hmm. So I don't remember what my title was. But anyway, so the only way I could get to the next level was if I had a degree. And it was something that always bothered me. I kind of felt intellectually inferior, or at least I felt like I was perceived that way by other people by not having a degree. So yeah, in 2000, I quit Mm -hmm. that job and uh, I took a little break and went traveling for a couple of months and then started school in the fall. And it took me a few years to get my journalism degree, but it was a great thing to be doing at that time in my life. I don't think I would have been able to do it at a younger age. I had gone to college um, as a teenager. And I think I was 17, 18, 19. I did a little stint in uh, community college, but I wasn't ready, I don't think, for the kind of learning that you get when you're really passionate about something and when you are driven and motivated in a way that isn't just like, I think when you're 17, 18, you're trying to figure yourself out and also maybe appeasing your parents' desire for you to get an advanced education. So yeah, that's how I ended up at school as a 30-something-year-old. Yeah, I think those are really good points. I definitely didn't know when I was a teen, you know, what it is that I was really passionate about, except for having a good time. And, Mm -hmm. (laughs) but I definitely felt like I knew I needed to get a job and get my first apartment and all that kind of stuff. And then it wasn't until much later experimenting with different occupations and, and yeah, following my passions and my values. And that's something I know we talked about a few years back when I first started my coaching career and Mm -hmm. you were one of my clients Mm -hmm. and we talked about your values. And I'm wondering how your values have driven decision-making over the last few years about how you followed your career path and and travel adventures too. Let's see. So first and foremost, uh, what's important to me is to be acting in a way that's compassionate toward other people and toward animals. You know that I'm an ethical vegan. And that is really for the last, probably the last 15 years, that's been my main motivating force in the work that I produce and everything that I have done since those days when I was in university. My first published story was an animal rights story that won an award in my uh, university. I went to San Francisco State in our university magazine. And 
I found my voice advocating for animals through journalism, but just in life, as I move through life, that has been a core value that I carry with me. And I think it's important to understand that life is short. Our lives on this planet are relatively short and we really need to do what we're here to do. And I believe that something that I was put here to do was to help animals in some way. And even though I'm not one of those people who can go out and picket at the circus, I tried that once a long time ago, it was terrible. So my way of doing activism is to be a good example, to use the skills that I have, for example, teaching cooking classes or sharing the love of vegan travel with others to help spread the message in a way that's in alignment with my values. So I don't know if that answers your question. Yeah, no, it absolutely does. I think that I feel like when we are driven by our values rather than you mentioned earlier when maybe we're pleasing our parents or pleasing other people or following what we feel like society might be expecting of us or acting from a place of fear or expectation or any of these other drivers that those really muddy what kind of impact we can have in the world. And when we do examine our values and then let those help sort of guide us like a North Star to what we like to do, I feel like what I've experienced and what some of my clients and friends have experienced is it's just easier to make decisions because you know they have to align with your way of doing things and what's most important to you. And I really like that you brought up leading by an example and sharing through these sort of community building activities like teaching a cooking class or doing vegan travel. That sounds really fun and exciting and engaging and interesting rather than yelling at somebody on Twitter. There's a place for a lot of different ways to be an activist or an advocate these are long lasting experiences to go with you on these adventures and learn about how maybe a product is made or get to pet a goat <laughs> or, <laughs> you know, be out in nature and travel by bicycle and all these things. These are experiences that have a huge impact. So I'd really love to hear more about that too, because I feel like one of the things that really stuck out to me about you after we left high school. And I say left because I didn't officially graduate from mm. that school. <laughs> but after, <laughs> after that, I just, uh, I had this thing in the back of my head of knowing Aurelia's out there. She's traveling, you know, by herself or with some other folks, but you always seemed like someone drawn to travel. And so I'd love to hear more about where that came from and, and just yeah, more about your love of travel, anything you feel like sharing. Oh, well, thank you for asking. It's something I love to talk about because it is one of my life's great passions. Traveling, I don't know where my desire for travel and new experiences comes from. I don't know if it's nature or nurture. I do know that as a kid, we moved around a lot. And I went to, I don't even know how many you know elementary schools, probably at least five maybe or more. I don't know. So I was used to that kind of itinerant way of life from a young age. And actually, I was even born in another country. I was born in Mexico. My parents were expats who moved there to be inspired by a new place, kind of the same way that I have done in my life, which is weird when you think about it. 
so yeah, there's been a lot of uh, a lot of traveling in my life. One of the reasons why I love traveling so much, it's a combination of things. It's one is like it reinforces your sense of being alive. You're out in the world, you're out of your comfort zone and you're meeting new people. You're realizing that we are more alike than we are not. Even when you don't speak the same language, even if you don't share the same kind of dietary habit, we share so much in common. And it kind of makes me, I don't know, it kind of touches something like deep in my soul, I guess you could say, knowing that we are connected, that we are really all, are all connected. And also as a person who identifies as being a creative, being out in the world is definitely a font of ideas and inspiration and color and smells and languages and just new sites that a kind of sense of novelty it motivates me in a way and in, and it strikes a weird kind of chord in my creative spirit that like new ideas always come to me when i am out in a new place without fail like any interesting idea that i've ever had that i've made come to life for example I remember being in Italy. I was reading a book. I don't know if you know Danielle Laporte. I was reading one of her books on an island in, in Italy, off the coast of Italy. And I got a, a stroke of inspiration to do a women's wellness retreat. And hmm. that was such a, a formative experience for me. That was about three years ago, I think. And I went ahead and did it. And it was like scary and exciting and a, a real experiment. But it's kind of laid the foundation for what I'm doing now with my career other ideas that have come to me while traveling have been, you know, I did a, a vegan festival here in this town that I just moved to that you are familiar with, Nevada City. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, and coming here was sort of like a travel experience, you know, coming to a new place that you haven't lived in for several decades and seeing um, what's missing and filling a void. And I could come up with a gazillion examples along those lines, but just where being out in the world and not in my usual comfort zone has really helped expand my horizons uh, on um, literal and figurative uh, levels. Thank you so much for sharing that. I think that's something that, that can kind of get lost when we're just looking at, say, an Instagram post. You're one of my favorite people to follow because you really have a sense of humor and a connection to just real everyday life. Like, yes, there are some travelogue, you know, lovely photos in there and some cute photos of of your dog and, and you and your husband. But also, you know, the one that strikes my mind is the cold pizza from the night mm. before. And, you know, <laughs> these are this these are real life experiences. Most people know what it's like to say, you know, either I don't have time to make a beautiful Instagram worthy breakfast or oops, I forgot my pizza in the <laughs> oven last night, but I'm going to eat it anyway. Uh, so I really appreciate your candidness and just real lifeness about how you share your world. I feel like that contributes to that feeling that we're all, uh, you know, we're all not so different. Mm, thank you. Yeah. And, and the pizza in the oven thing happens with, you know, frightening regularity. <laughs> but um, <laughs> I have a, a love hate, like, like so many people do a love hate relationship with social media. And I do believe that, you know, authenticity is where it's at. And so much of what we look at is not authentic. I feel like so many of us spend 
more time. Like we should really just be living those moments and not necessarily feeling like we have to chronicle them. The other day I was at the Yuba River and I was standing there and all of a sudden I looked in the sky and I saw this enormous bird. It turned out to be an osprey fly down the river, dive into the water, collect a fish in its talons and then fly back like right in front of my nose. I could see the fish still wriggling and it was just the definition of awe-inspiring. It was so amazing. And normally, I don't know, I think I was just so dumbstruck. Normally I would be reaching for my phone to like take a picture of it or film it. But instead I just stood there and watched it. And that memory of that, it's like buoyed me this whole week. Like just, I am just, you know, so Mm. inspired by nature and how amazing something like to have been able to witness that without the filter of Instagram or or Facebook or whatever. But that's a whole nother story. No, that's a great, uh, great example of that. And I definitely have those times in my life where I'm like, okay, you do not need to document this with a picture. (laughs) You Mm. could just enjoy it as is. And then other times I also feel like documenting a moment with a picture actually kind of helps anchor that memory too. So it can, yeah, it can work both ways. And also for creative people, I think capturing things with a photo is a visual storytelling that a lot of us enjoy. So that push-pull of connecting through um, social media can be something that being mindful of it. Is this feeling like an obligation or is it feeling natural and something that I'm I'm feeling called to do and, and enjoy sharing? And I think it's just sort of a you know, checking in with yourself back and forth. I definitely have really benefited from writing and reposting something regularly on social media that says something to the effect of, you know, don't get distracted by social media. And I post that for others and as equally for myself. So that sometimes I'll pop back onto Mm -hmm. Twitter and then go, oh, the last thing I posted was don't get distracted by social media. And then I'll pop right back (laughs) off. (laughs) I like to do that. They're kind of like bumper stickers for myself, you know, like little posts that I'm putting up. Sometimes I'll just have somebody say like, oh, thanks for the reminder. See you later. (laughs) Going out into the world to enjoy Mm -hmm. my day. (laughs) But there is um, a call to connect when we aren't traveling or if we're feeling isolated because we're doing a creative pursuit here. Maybe, you know, you and I have, we're both podcasters. So we're going to record a conversation with somebody and then edit for several hours. And and uh, that editing can feel quite isolating. So sometimes popping in to check in on what other people are doing can really connect us. Now I try to do that through a quick little text with a good friend, just kind of check in with them that way. Or like tonight, I have a, a dinner date with a buddy who I haven't seen in a while, and I'm looking forward to seeing her in person. Mm, That sounds like fun. Yeah, that's something I have found as a freelancer, um, as a self-employed person working from home. I really have to make the time to have FaceTime with other people. Otherwise, I risk becoming a hermit, which is easy for me to do because I'm a bit of an introvert. So, you know, one of the hardest things about moving to from, from a big city where I've lived for most of my adult life to a smaller town is I can't just walk out my door and be surrounded by human beings the way that I could in San Francisco or Paris. 
and I, I miss that, but it's made me restructure things a bit so that I create the time. I make coffee dates with friends and, uh, you know, drink dates or dinner dates or whatnot and stick to them and make sure that I don't become a, a social hermit or become too isolated here. It's definitely a thing that freelancers, especially people who identify as introverts, have to be aware of and kind of plan for in their lives. Yeah, I've definitely spoken with folks who identify as creatives and are freelancers and um, consider themselves to be an introvert. And it can be quite lovely in one way where you are, you know, easily entertaining yourself or, you know, you don't need quite as much outside stoking. Yeah, I've heard the the term HSP or highly sensitive person. And I think that that's something I relate to sometimes where I, I feel I can't connect with people very easily out in the world because I'm I'm actually disturbed and agitated by sounds. And mm-hmm. um, and then other times it's not as big of a deal, but I, it's it's a little different than being introverted, I think. But it, it is it is a, a struggle of mine. That's interesting that. You've just made me think about a, a friend of mine who, if there's a baby crying at a restaurant, she'll go and ask the people to make their baby be quiet, which I, I'm not a parent, but I would imagine that if it was that easy, they would already be doing that. But now I have a new right. sense of compassion for my friend who said that because I just thought that was crazy. And like I would hide in a corner if she did that around me, like went to confront somebody whose baby was making noise. But maybe if it's a, you know, if it's a truly... I don't know if that's a biological thing or, I mean, if, if it's harming your ears or disturbing you mentally or, or physically, then it's understandable, I guess. Yeah, I think then we just need to make decisions on how we can live in the world and still function and still connect. Sometimes it is a matter of advocating for yourself. And sometimes I do just uh, spend a little more time by myself during those times and, uh, and it's fine. But yeah, it's interesting. It is a, it is a place for compassion, like you said. And as we travel and learn other people's stories and and interview folks on podcasts and everything, we get to learn more and more. Totally. So, well, before we wrap up today, I was wondering if you could speak a little bit about your podcast and your uh, travel business, and maybe even a little bit about collaborating with your husband and what that's been like. Thank you, Heidi. Okay. So about a little more than a month ago, Jeff and I, my husband, we started a, or I should say we launched our boutique travel company. It's called Vegan Epicure Travel. And if you want to find it online, it's veganepicuretravel.com, which is also where we have our podcast, or I should say it's it's my podcast since I'm the one who's doing it right now. Maybe one day Jeff will do it too. So we have uh, transformed our, our love of travel and veganism, good food and wine, connecting with others, and packaged all of that into several different kind of travel experiences. We have big travel experiences. We're working on a couple of tours that will happen next June in the south of France. We have one in Provence and on the Côte d'Azur. This September, we have a sold-out vegan tour of Paris. We have 16 guests coming along. On uh, we're, I'm actually partnering with Veg News Magazine on that. But the idea is to 
you know, expose people to the great, big, wonderful world, just generally, and, and also the great, big, wonderful world of vegan food and all of the parts of life that we really enjoy, like visiting with makers, people who are producing things that are in alignment with our values, for example, going to a, a vegan cheesemaker's atelier and seeing how they do that, or going to a farmed animal sanctuary and meeting animals. So we have these bigger experiences that we're taking small groups on. The 16-person tour is kind of a bigger one, but most of our other tours will be 10 people or fewer. And then we also do uh, local experiences depending upon where we are in the world. For example, here in the Northern California area, we're doing cooking classes and we're doing local bike excursions and vegan food tours in Nevada City. And then we also have kind of similar things happening. We're going to spend January and February in the south of France while we're organizing our tour for the spring throughout January and February. We're taking people on uh, vegan food tours of Nice in France. That's our big thing that we're making happen and been challenging on multiple levels. One is just having, number one, the confidence to really stand behind your idea and put it out there and trust that if it's a good idea, it will succeed. And knowing that things will need to be tweaked along the way and that you don't just birth this miracle fabulous thing into existence. It's a process. Yeah, working with my spouse, this is the first time that we've really collaborated on a project that uh, we're both full-time working together on. And it's been extremely interesting, shall we say. <laughs> we have different styles. We, <laughs> we, we do things much, much differently. And we're still working through what that means and what are defining our roles but we complement each other. We definitely have different skill sets. And Jeff is much more of a, he's more extroverted and a, a great people person and really a good listener. I wish I could say I was as strong in those areas as he is, but I am more, I'm more creative and I come up with a lot of the ideas and I'm good at reaching out and networking with people uh, in a virtual space, also in real life. So yeah, it's been, it's been really, really interesting. And I wouldn't trade it for anything. It's a privilege to be able to be an entrepreneur and to be your own boss. There's nothing to complain about. I really like working for myself and reaping the benefits. And also, you know, the struggles are, are real. <laughs> I'm, I don't have a boss to turn to when things go awry, but that's okay. I really like that. The podcast is sort of a compliment to our brand. It's a way to connect with the world and bring different voices into our business that we can share with other people without actually always having to be out on the road. It's something that I, I've been doing mostly from home. It'll be interesting when we're traveling, and maybe we can talk about this later, about how to podcast when you're remote. Right. Yeah. So I, so far I've interviewed people in some cities that I love. We talked to my friend Alex, who is a vegan guidebook publisher in London. I talked to some nice women who run a, a vegan lifestyle platform in Paris about where to eat sweets in Paris. And I'm always looking for interesting guests around the world who have something to share that's in alignment with our values. So veganism, travel, connection, food, wine, that sort of thing. And, um, and that, and the podcast is 
at veganepicuretravel.com. Well, cool. Well, I think we'll we'll um, end things on this note. So I mentioned earlier that I was working on my Patreon page. I'm really building it as a community for Vibrant Visionary. So when people become Patreon supporters, they will be part of the the online community and be able to listen to behind the scenes musings that I have, or I'll be writing and journaling kind of about, you know, the good, the bad and the crazy that happens when you're doing something like recording these episodes and lining up guests and all that stuff, but also be sharing tips and resources, stuff that's helped my myself and my clients work despite of those fears that come up when we want to try new uh, creative endeavors and yeah, not be slaves to perfection and know that we're going to be learning and you know, adjusting our sales as we go also help support these free podcast episodes. I have a goal to add even more podcast episodes per month as I gain uh, Patreon supporters. So that'll be great so that I can continue to do this because I, I really enjoy it. And, and I really love offering these kind of interesting conversations with, with people like you. That's really exciting, Heidi. I can't wait to check out your Patreon page and You've just given me a, a bunch of great reasons why I would want to support you. So yeah, that's cool. Thanks. Yeah, it aligns right up with my values of creating um, community and having a place for collaboration and support for everyone. So anybody who joins the Vibrant Visionaries Patreon, they become part of the community. So we can have you know conversations within that Patreon group. And we can talk about our projects, we can talk about the podcast episodes, we can ask each other questions. And, and so it's really building a community that's very specific to, to this and um, also works right along with the kind of coaching that I do with my clients where we talk about our values, our passions, our skills, who we want to work with, how we want to do it, and how we want to live live our lives. So yeah, I'm really excited to have a, a new space to experiment with that. Yeah, so I'll share links to that. And um, anybody that wants to check that out, you certainly can. And so, yeah, I think we'll call it a day. Thanks again, Aurelia. And uh, we'll see you guys next time. Thank you, Heidi. Thanks for listening to another episode of Vibrant Visionaries with Heidi Bennett. I hope you've enjoyed today's episode. And if you would like to keep the conversation going, come check out my Patreon page. It's a sanctuary for fellow multi-creatives to come hang out and share what your projects are. See behind the scenes stuff that I'm sharing related to the process of doing this podcast. And I'll be sharing things that help my clients succeed in their many multi creative endeavors. You can find a link right in our show notes to the Patreon page and also to vibrantvisionaries.com. And you can also find links that were talked about on the podcast itself. All right. Have a great one. Bye. Bye.